Hey, I want to tell you real quick about a free video series that we created for people who want to become an online nutrition coach. These videos address people's fear of not being able to get results for their clients, imposter syndrome, as well as the fear of just not being able to get clients in the first place and make this work. We also talk about why now is an enormous opportunity to become an online nutrition coach in these super stressful and uncertain times. So whether you're already a coach and just want to get better, or you've never coached but are super interested in it, check out these free video series at workingagainstgravity.com slash free training. Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. We are back. Welcome back. The WAG Podcast. Today we're answering one of your questions. And this question has a lot to do with anxiety and therapy. So I'm that's all I'm gonna say before we get into it. But of course Man, I'm on the edge of my seat after that you, one. Are you anxiety and therapy? I wanna know how what are they gonna talk about? What angle are they gonna take on this show? What's the question? But <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I was I'm getting excited. I kinda like this topic. <laughs> Michael's always teasing me. He actually always makes me feel semi-embarrassed at the beginning of a show when I have to open it. We decide who's going to open the show at the beginning. And then... That's just our shtick. There's just like a little bit of teasing that comes whenever I'm leading the show. Or or, or the constant badgering of how I open them. Oh, yeah. hello, hello. Hello, hello. This is uh, Michael Cashew, and you're listening to the WAG Podcast. Oh, man. She called me out so hard for the the Brute Strength show years ago because I would open it up the same exact uh, way every single time, (laughs) and my accent would come out for some reason. Maybe I was a little more nervous, but it would definitely come out. Yeah, you had a little bit of a drawl that came out. Mm -hmm. It was cute. I actually really liked it. Well, keep going. Well, this episode... See, I'm nice to you and you tease me. Not fair. But... If you guys love this show, we absolutely love doing the show. We love talking to each other. We love sharing the things that we're learning about. And we want to help as many people as possible. And the way to help us do that, the best way to pay us back actually is to implement the things that we talk about in these shows into your life and be happier and healthier and live a better life. Also leave what doesn't really work for you. But the implement the things, have a better life, that's the best way to pay us back. The second best way to pay us back is to write us a review, give us five stars, and help us have this show reach more people. We would really appreciate it. Yeah, should we play today this today's episode's question? Yeah, right before we do that, if you want one of your questions answered, you can go to workingagainstgravity.com forward slash podcast and scroll down to the start recording button, leave your name and where you're from, and leave your question. And ideally do it in a quiet space and we'll answer it here on the show. And only do that if you want to be like super podcast famous. So funny. This is like your joke about about submitting a question. You've said this same joke That's so many six times. times. Yeah. Should I retire it? I think you're done with that joke. That <laughs> joke is done. It's everyone, any consistent listeners are like, Michael, you said that joke a million times. <laughs> okay. okay, let's This play question it. is from Emma. Hey guys, my name's Emma and I'm from Australia. 
First of all, I want to say that I really love the podcast. I love that you aren't just discussing issues we face, but you also offer ways to implement change in our daily lives. Anyway, I've been having some health issues as of late. Heart palpitations, lightheadedness, shortness of breath, and issues concentrating. My bloods have come back normal, so I'm on to the next stage of testing, which is a seven-day heart rate monitor and ultrasound. But I'm beginning to feel that it's more related to anxiety than anything else. My partner thinks I should go to therapy, and I feel like it would definitely benefit me. However, I just feel like I'm not quite ready and would like to sit with the idea a little longer. In the meantime, I've decided I should really start meditating. I've dabbled before, but really struggled to cement the habit. Have you guys got any tips? I've used Headspace, and I'm going to use it again, but I'd love to hear what's worked and what hasn't for the both of you. Also, back to my partner recommending therapy. He wasn't exactly exactly gentle in his approach. He suffers from mental health issues, so I feel like he's thinking what's worked for him will work for me. But I think he forgets that it took him a long time to seek professional help as well. He also reached the point of physical symptoms manifesting before he went to see a psychologist. I'd love to hear how you would approach the situation where someone isn't quite ready for therapy. What do you think support looks like for them? Emma, first off, before we say anything, I want to acknowledge you for wanting to do something about this. Take Having the courage to submit a question about a really tough topic like this, about something real that you're going through that's impacting your life in a negative way, it means that you want to take action and do something about it. And I really commend you for that. I think it takes a lot of courage and bravery. So kudos to you. Mm-hmm. And and to start off, uh, we want to remind you and everyone that we're not doctors. We're not an expert on this topic. We have a lot of personal experience. And so what we're sharing is just our personal experience and just that. Take what you like and leave the rest. And if you feel like you need it, if you really do need it, then continue to seek professional um support and help despite what your decision is to whether to find a therapist or not. Right. So if you're currently experiencing severe anxiety or mental having issues with your mental health, seek out help from a professional near you. And our suggestions here are just our personal experience. So to go into this question, Emma, I wanted to first, I noticed a couple things in your question. And one of the first things I noticed was that Of course, you are saying that you're not ready for therapy, which I want to acknowledge that that is a really big thing to do. It's a big step to take. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. I just want to make sure that you're not ready because you're not ready versus you're saying you're not ready because of the way that your boyfriend suggested it. So you mentioned that he suggested therapy in a non-gentle way. And I'm imagining myself in, in our house and Michael makes a suggestion to me in a non-gentle way about something that's really vulnerable to me or something that's real or something that is sensitive. And I immediately will resist his advice, even if I know it's good for me. Right. You're more focused on like getting back at me or resisting that energy and protecting than actually focusing on what's going on with you and, and taking care of yourself. Yeah. So it kind of, let's imagine, I mean, I have been in the state where 
I was really experiencing a lot of anxiety when we first met and it would derail me often and I would end up yelling or behaving in a way that was totally inappropriate and not the kind of person I wanted to be. And if you had come to me in that moment and you suggested therapy in a non-gentle way, there would be a piece of me that wanted to defend myself and be like, actually, my problems aren't that big of a deal and I don't need therapy. And there was this belief that I've carried for a really long time that therapy is for people who are broken or people that really need help or, and I wasn't one of those. I wasn't in that camp, even though there was a piece of me that could have been spoken to in a gentler way that could see the benefits of what therapy can do. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure that you're not saying no to therapy because you're actually you're just um, a little bit defensive of the way that it was approached to you. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get uh, make a case for therapy in a gentle way before we get into the whole meditating and other options. And I want to tell you a little bit of a story, and then I'm going to stop talking and let Michael talk a little bit. A little bit of a story when I first met Michael. If you guys know anything about Michael's story, he is a recovered heroin addict. And when he was in his teenage years, he went to rehab in Salt Lake City, Utah, and did a lot of therapy, group therapy, family therapy, individual therapy in his darkest times. And when I met you, one of the reasons I loved you so much and I fell so deeply in love with you right away was because of how much work you had done on your mental and emotional well-being. And I thought it was so cool that you were so regulated and you felt emotions, but you could regulate yourself and still be in control of how you behaved and you responded to things. And I remember having a conversation with you about why you felt that you were so good at regulating yourself. And you said that a huge reason is because you had spent so many years in therapy. Mm -hmm. And I remember journaling or talking to myself or <laughs> something where... I was thinking, I don't think I have to become a heroin addict in order to benefit from therapy. Thank God. That would be a dying profession. Right. Well, I, I, or I don't need to be going through a deep, dark time. And I don't need to, like in the case of your boyfriend, Emma, I don't need to have physical manifestations or I don't need to be having a mental breakdown. I'm not saying that's what was happening with him, but you mentioned physical manifestations. I don't need to be there in order to benefit from therapy. So I kind of, it kind of flicked a switch for me in my head. You don't where, have to be broke to get better. Right. You always say the quote of the best time to fix a leaky roof is when it's not raining. And I love that quote. And it really helped me realize that I actually could benefit from therapy as well. And I've been doing that kind of work ever since. That was five years ago, around five years ago, mm -hmm. something like that. So I... Just want to tell that story because I don't want anyone listening, including Emma, to think that therapy is only for those who need it. And I used to say all the time, and I still say, is that sometimes getting therapy sooner means that you might not get to a place where you need it because you've taken action to be proactive about your mental and emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. So some reasons that we love therapy in general are that a therapist is a trained professional whose entire job is to hold space for you, ask good questions, and allow you to express whatever it is that's going on for you. That is their only agenda. Any good therapist, that is their only agenda. They are a safe place where you can freely talk about anything um, as dark as you need to get. And it's kind of like 
when someone comes to me for nutrition coaching, there is no problem or issue or scenario that they can come to me with where I'm going to have not seen it before. And it's, I'm not going to have this crazy reaction because I've worked with so many people and seen so many different experiences that it's, it's hard to shock me in that type of way. A therapist has worked with so many people, so many different experiences, and the things that you bring to them, they're totally objective. They're not your friend. They're not they're not in your social circle. So there's not this judgment that's going to come from it. They're going to just know that you're a whole person and you're you're taking this huge step to better yourself and it's a safe place for sure. It's it's awesome. And some of the benefits of therapy can be that you can get peace of mind you can feel like you're not alone. You can feel like even though you may have done bad things or bad things may have been done to you, or you may feel like depressed and, and it, like it's never going to go away, you are still loved. You are still human. You are, you are not alone. Um, it can also, as those things start to happen, it can also give you this huge amount of surplus energy. A lot of our emotion a lot of our energy is oftentimes bound up in shame or other emotions just being stored somewhere in our bodies we're spending so much energy a lot of times suppressing and usually this is done unconsciously we're not thinking like oh i'm so angry but i'm going to suppress it and we're we're not like thinking that all day but we just we've created these patterns of doing so and it takes a lot of energy to do that so as as we express and let go and have someone tell us like you're, you're, you're okay. Like, thank you for expressing that. You're still okay. I love you. I care about you. Tons of energy is released to do other things, create, be productive, whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. It makes me think of the thing that you say all the time, which is talking to a wall is better than talking to nothing at all. And it is so true because the thoughts and the experiences and the emotions go from inside you to outside of you. And even if you just say something out loud, I've had this experience many times of literally talking to a wall and saying something out loud and realizing that I don't actually even believe what it is that I just said. Mm -hmm. And that is a thought that was causing me a lot of pain and a lot of anxiety. And then I said it out loud and I realized, wow, when I say it out loud, it just sounds so different. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't even believe what I'm saying. And that experience happens not in therapy to the nth degree because mm-hmm. you have somebody mirroring it back to you and you can have conversations around your thoughts and your feelings. Um, so I don't want you to fall into any type of trap or thinking that you need you need to be ready mm-hmm. to go to therapy. It's It's a lot like thinking that you need to be fit before you go to the gym. So if you are open to it at all, and of course, if you're not ready and everything that we're saying, you're like screw them. I don't actually want to go to therapy. Don't go. I just want to make sure that you actually don't want to go and know that it doesn't make you look weak. It doesn't, you don't have to tell anybody. Um, and in fact, it can actually be an incredibly courageous. And actually this, this is just coming up too. I think the times in which we feel least ready and least prepared to go to therapy except for maybe like very, very rock bottom where we're just completely um, desperate. Other than that, I think that's the, that's the time that you most need to go, right? Like the times in which you're most vulnerable, you're the most filled with shame, the most resistant to talking to someone else about your, your shit, that's the time you need to most. And so waiting until you're ready might be a trap. Yeah, totally. 
I totally agree. So that is our case, our soft case for therapy. If that didn't land for you, you know, it's like going to the store, trying on a sweater and looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I don't really like this sweater. I'm going to take it off and I'm going to put it back. We won't be offended. We just um, wanted to tell you how much we love therapy. Both of us continue to have mentors and coaches and therapists in various areas of our life from relationships to personal life. I have somebody that works with me and my mother as well to help us with our relationship. It's not something I'm, it's something that I was kind of a little bit embarrassed about at the beginning. And now I actually think it's one of the biggest reasons as to why I am the person I am today. Mm -hmm. So, and I've, and I don't think I ever had a reason in anybody's mind to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. So we're going to rattle off a number of different other things that you can do to take care of your mental health and to regulate negative emotions like anxiety, like depression, like self-doubt. And one of those being, uh, meditation and mindfulness, which you specifically asked about. Mm -hmm. So, and she did talk about trying meditation mm -hmm. and not being able to stick to it. So she knows the benefits of meditation. She's tried it. And let's talk about our experience because I know you've had a ton of experience with meditation. You Can you talk a little bit to how you became consistent with meditation? Yeah, it's a good question. We just did this podcast on like how to, like what to do when you lack confidence in something or what to do yeah, really when you lack confidence. And I think it relates because in my experience with meditation and a ton of other people, for a lot of it, I wasn't very confident that it was doing anything for me, which is, I feel like is kind of related. And I didn't feel like I was good at it at all. I didn't feel like I was getting much out of it. But what has kept me doing it for the past 12, 12 to 13 years is... I don't know. I just, I looked around and I was like, so many of the people that I look up to and admire most are doing this thing, right? Athletes, thought leaders in different spaces, authors, creators, like all of these people that are really grounded, present, that I really look up to and, and want to emulate, they're all doing this thing. And I just, I just had it in my mind, like this is a this is one of those habits that I think every human being could benefit from. And I just never lost that belief. And so even though when I started, I would sit down and it was basically just like 10 minutes of constant thinking, like that monkey mind just going crazy, even though I didn't get anything out of it at first, I just stayed committed and I just kept doing it and I kept doing it and I kept doing it. And I would go months where I didn't feel like I had a single like mindful moment where I was actually focused on my breath. I just kept doing it. And over time, I got better at it, if you can even say that, or I had more longer stretches of mindfulness and focus or actual presence. And I've done that now for many, many years. And now I feel like it has an enormous impact on every single area of my life. And so all of that to say, you don't have to, there's no like good or bad at, at meditation. I think it just takes a commitment to practicing. There's no, like that's, that's literally it. It's just a practice. It's not, it's not an event. It's not a test at all. There, that was a huge moment for me when you told me that, I would sit in meditation and I struggled. I struggled being consistent with meditation. I haven't been doing it for nearly as long as you. And I thought I was wasting my time. 
I'm thinking the whole time. It's actually in some ways making me more aware of my own anxiety Mm -hmm. because I'm sitting there and I'm watching my loop of thoughts go and go and go and I can't control it. And I thought it was a waste of time and it was also kind of painful to sit there and just not be able to to control my thoughts. And it was very frustrating. And I'm like, what am I doing this for? I could go do something else, right? I have so many things to do in a day. And then you told me the concept of every single time I focus on even one breath is like one rep in the gym. Mm -hmm. And the thing that with meditation that is a little bit more subtle, well, a lot more subtle is when you go to the gym, you feel the physical benefits because you're sweating and your muscles burn and, you know, you're pumped up. So you have blood in your muscles and they kind of look more jacked in that moment with meditation. It is not benefits like that. You're not, you're oftentimes going to finish meditating and not feel any benefit at all. You're it didn't. It took me so long to feel any benefit right after a meditation. The moment that I realized that meditation was working for me was when a stressful event came up, and I took a moment before I absolutely lost my mind. You know, and that's when I realized, okay, wait, I see the fact that I'm having anxiety in this moment, mm-hmm. and before I would just be the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So. You just act it out. Yes. And I know your question was, how do you stick to meditation? You've tried it a couple of times and you haven't been able to be consistent. We could have another hour conversation about that. However, one of the one of our, it was episode number, number one. one, episode number one. It is one of our most popular episodes on this whole podcast. It's called creating high efficiency habits that stick. We go through an entire episode on how to make habits stick. I think that you could stop listening right here. We're going to go through some other options. So I suggest don't, but you can stop listening right here. Go listen to episode number one and that use those principles to make your meditation stick. Mm-hmm. Now, cool. yeah, you want to talk about some other options? Yeah. For- and that's kind of, cause we're already a ways into it. So let's just kind of move quickly through these. So Number one is taking personal space. I think this one's been huge for you. You want to talk yeah. about this? So I, I work I work with a lot of really high-level athletes who are super busy and also deal with a lot of anxiety that you talk about, Emma. And for me, I definitely dealt with a lot of anxiety and fear and things. I felt like I was controlling my life. Taking personal space, which can look like meditation, or for me, it actually just looked like not having my phone with me, not looking at my email, and going for a walk with the dog. Just taking some space by myself to not have any obligations or responsibilities to anybody. Taking personal space. It could be reading a fiction novel. It could be sitting on your back porch. Taking personal space is absolutely huge. And it really, really helped me just have a second to escape all of the other things that Mm -hmm. were going on in my life. Another one is to do things that bring you joy, especially things that get you out of your head and into your body. Mm -hmm. So dance, playing a sport, riding, walking, anything that's you're, you're moving exercise, like CrossFit workouts and weightlifting can do that for, for some people, but it's a very linear thing, right? There's, there's numbers and it's like an up and down. It's usually in a linear fashion. So it, it doesn't always get us there. Things that are more flowy and um, spontaneous are usually better, better options. Yeah. Not to keep referencing other episodes that we do, but, but to keep, to keep referencing, referencing (laughs) we, 
have done an episode before this one. I don't know what episode number it is because it hasn't come out while we're recording this, but on flow state and doing things that get you in a flow state can be things that get you out of your head and into your body. So you can listen to that episode too. Mm -hmm. Good thing they're all pretty short. (laughs) Another one is just to talk to someone that you trust. So the, you know, the biggest benefit of finding a therapist is just having someone to talk about what's bothering you and to have that person just hold space to be there while you express yourself. And then if you want, they can mirror you And what that means is tell you how you're being perceived. They can show empathy by feeling those emotions with you, which feels amazing. And then telling you if they're a healthy person that, you know, they felt something similar or they still love you, they still care about you. And all of that helps you to feel like other people are carrying this load with you. So you get to take a little bit of that weight off of your shoulders. Yes. Love it. Another thing that has also really helped me is to consume content about this topic. What you're doing right now. What you're doing right now. Content on anxiety, on stress, on habit building, on meditation. Will you reference another WAG podcast, actually? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I actually can. Episode number 21 is the episode on stress and anxiety. So we have another whole episode on stress and anxiety, on our stories around stress and anxiety. I think that's three or four episodes that you have to listen to of the WAG podcast. Please actually do it. I do not mind if you put us on two or one and a half speed. It makes it go by a lot faster. Yeah, please do. Um, And then spend time in nature. I don't think we need to describe that much, but it gets you out of your head. And then also do service work. It's really hard to feel bad about yourself when you're helping people that have it even worse than you. That is actually a huge one. Doing service work gets you out of your own problems and helps you solve other people's problems and makes you feel so much better. So I definitely suggest doing service work. There's so many opportunities in local towns all over the world. So please do that. So let's say you decide to find a therapist, Emma. This is one of the hard, it can be one of the hardest things to do. And even after being in therapy for shit now, like about 15 years, I started when I was 14, I think. Um, I still don't have like a, this is the best way to find a therapist because not every place has like a an amazing therapist or not every place has someone that, they can just refer you to. You might not know anyone else that has been to therapy. So it can be challenging, but we have a few steps that you can take and a couple mindset shifts to help you approach finding a therapist. And I think the the first one is that having a referral for anything is usually best. Having someone share their personal experience, especially with something so vulnerable, is really helpful. So if you have a friend or a family member that's been to therapy and had a great experience, then go and check them out. I love how you're like, there's no best way, but a referral would be best. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's best. That's definitely best. (laughs) Michael really values social proof. He really, really like in all areas of life, restaurants, movies, therapy. It saves so much time. Yeah. He just really, he has this way of like triangulating social proof from Google reviews and Yelp and IMDb where he just makes sure that this is socially proven. So he applies that to therapy as well. Uh, I would also use this little bit of a mindset shift. Therapy is a really vulnerable thing. So imagine you're terrified to go and you don't know what to talk about. You don't know what to expect. You're probably going to show up to that first meeting, not as your actual self. You might have a little bit, you might be stressed. You might be guarded. You might be holding back. 
And the therapist is just getting to know you. So my suggestion to you would be don't count out a therapist right after the first time that you hang out with them. Give yourself some time to let loose a little bit, to be a little bit more vulnerable, and then also give them some time to get to know you and build rapport and build a relationship with you so that they can you know, have an impact. And that's how they're going to do their job their best. And mm-hmm. that sometimes isn't going to happen in the first meeting. It oftentimes won't happen. I find that with friendships, with any type of relationship that I'm trying to build, just giving them one shot is often not enough. No one hitter quitters, guys. Yeah, please don't do that. And to find them in the first place, honestly, I've helped people in other cities find them through Google reviews, also through Yelp. And so if you don't have a referral and you have no other way of assessing if this person is good or not, use the social proof, use, use the places that have reviews. I'm actually, I'm sure for therapists, there are probably other websites specifically for like medical professionals. I don't know what it's called. Open door or like open doors. No, that wouldn't. Open doors for legal. That's it. Yeah. But something like that, like yeah. a, a website specifically for reviews for those folks. So use whatever you can. And then let's say you haven't, you don't want to do therapy. You're not going to do therapy. You want to pick some other type of strategy to help with this anxiety issue that you're dealing with. Totally cool. We would really highly just suggest picking one that you think is going to be the easiest to implement for you. You have an 80% chance of actually sticking to it. Sounds like meditation might be that for you. So Create a plan of action, listen to episode one for creating high efficiency habits, and then implement that one thing before you try and just revamp your whole life. Mm -hmm. And from my experience, I think I can speak for both of us, when you have someone in your corner to really hold space for you that you can express your deepest, darkest secrets to, it allows you to really manage any emotions that come up and it frees up so much, so much mental space. Uh, It makes you more confident. It makes you feel more comfortable in your own skin. And it's just a great thing. Yeah. It's going to improve your relationships with yourself as well as with other people. I cannot say enough about how learning how to manage my stress and anxiety has impacted my life. So even if the first couple things you try don't work and you're still struggling, I really just don't want you to give up because it's a worthy endeavor to continue trying and trying and trying and working towards. And my last thing I'm going to say about it is that even if you get to a place where you feel like you're managing your your anxiety, it's kind of like achieving your goals in nutrition. I got the body that I want. You don't get to stop doing all the things that helped you get there. Some of the things maybe, they you don't have to do them anymore. Like you don't have to weigh and measure your food if you want to lose weight. But You still have to do a lot of the things that you were doing to the habits that you've built. So remember that this is probably going to be for everybody a lifelong thing of managing your stress and anxiety. So go into it with the mindset of I'm ready to become a new version of myself. And um, that takes a lot of hard work. And I commend you for even asking this question. Yeah, super courageous, Emma. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.